From Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a Vipair podcast at Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these episodes in between our regular podcasts so we can explore a broader range of issues and stories in the drinks world. And today I'm speaking with Miles Thomas, who's the founder and owner of Scrappy's Bitters based right here in Seattle. Miles, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Zach? I'm well, thanks. So we should start here, which is uh, you and I have known each other for like 15 years. Uh, we worked together long ago. Um, so maybe you can uh, explain to our listeners kind of how you first got into into bartending and cocktails and then maybe how that kind of took you into this this world of making bitters. Yeah, totally. Um, so not my very first job, but my second job, uh, I was bussing tables. I had a friend who uh, his dad owned an Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to bust tables. I was working uh, before that at the QFC uh, bag and groceries and yeah. I hated it. <laughs> I uh, bet. And my, my pops was like very insistent that I get a job when I was 15. Basically told me I was kicked out if I didn't get a job. So wow. uh, <laughs> I went right to it. Um, and then, yeah, when I got the job busting tables, I actually really enjoyed it. Well, actually, at first it was really difficult. I was very shy. Mm. Uh, so kind of just breaking through that took a while. And then eventually I uh, uh, became a server. But before that, uh, at the restaurant I worked at, it was called Salute. It was like an Italian neighborhood joint. Okay. And the bar got really busy at night. And I inadvertently become like a bar back like late okay. at night on the weekends. So I sort of had this like idea of like, oh, being a bartender is super cool. Uh you know, you're very social, you get like, you know, to meet cool people and, and have a good time. So I, I just kind of followed that. And eventually, uh, I wound up at Serafina. Mm-hmm. That was kind of that bar gig for me at the time was a little bit over my head. I hadn't quite had the experience or like <laughs> the know how to do the job. But uh, Matt and uh, Chris were really good. They took me under their wing. And showed me lots of stuff and I learned a ton while I was there and Chris was really into making the infusions and all kinds of stuff and I sort of took that and ran with it um <clears throat> I was super duper interested in that and started making stuff at home in my apartment uh and I would come to him with all the things that I was like making and like excited to show him and you know he'd kind of talk about it with me a little bit and then I ended up doing a bunch of reading on stuff and eventually uh, I had a friend that was making like a grapefruit bitters uh, okay and they're putting that in cocktails and he's like man all the stuff you do you should try and make bitters I was like oh okay yeah sure like let me see what you got so far. And so he gave me his grapefruit bitters recipe, and I, I made that, and it was all right. And then I started looking online for like a whole bunch of other stuff. Sure. And eventually, uh, you know, I was trying all kinds of stuff, and really, like, nothing was was working out. So it took me a really long time to like actually figure it out. So it's probably like at least a solid year of making a lot of mistakes before I had something that was like usable even okay i don't know i just worked on it for a while and you know i started to use it behind the bar okay um and you know it was it was okay and i, and I just continuously was learning stuff right so okay. it just i just continued to, anytime i figured out something new i would try to make it better gotcha um and then eventually there was this like 
bartender meetup kind of thing. Okay. Where at, it was at Liberty Bar where they were like, hey, uh, come to this thing and bring, oh, it was a bitters exchange. Okay. The bitters that you're making. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, cool. So I brought, uh, at the time, uh, my lavender bitters. Okay. And it was really kind of like a fun thing for me because there's a lot of bartenders there, all like the best bartenders I knew in Seattle, mm-hmm. you know, people from Zigzag, people from everywhere. And I really respected all of them. And, and I was like, man, these guys are all really great bartenders, but their bitters suck. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, I think maybe I should turn this into a business. And that's when people started like kind of asking me for bitters. And I never really thought about it as a business to start out with. It was just like something that was fun. And for me, I was like, I wanted to have some special moves behind the bar. So I would get more customers to come to my bar and have my special drinks. And so that was like really the whole driving force to start out with. Sure. And when other bartenders were asking for it, I was like, sure, yeah, I can make you some and and then I, you know, there was really no other stuff out at the time. The, mm-hmm. the only things that were out was Angostura, Regan's Orange Bitters. Yeah. Uh, and then there was the Fee Brothers Bitters. Uh-huh. Oh, and of course, Peychaud. Yeah. Uh, so, like, there was really nothing, I think, of good quality. You know, Angostura's okay, but it's full of red dye and caramel yeah. color. And, you know, it's a staple and everybody's going to probably use it forever, but there are bitter bitters for sure. Sure. So, yeah, I was like, okay, let's just do this. So I kind of just started out and, like, definitely didn't know what, what I was doing at all uh, and didn't know how I was going to do it. I had, like, no money. Uh, and I think I made the first batch in my apartment, which is definitely illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, I think but, the statute uh, of limitations has passed on that one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> it was just that very first one, and I just sold it to – well, I didn't know who I was going to sell it to, so I, like, sure. walked around to all – the bars that I knew bar managers and I was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. If you are interested, you know, you can buy, you can sell you some now. And I sold out that day. Wow. Um, and then I started getting requests for more, which I thought was really cool. Cause I yep. had, you know, didn't know that that was going to happen. And then my buddy, Patrick, uh, Gabrikeen, he used to be Ethan Stoll's partner back in okay. that day. And at Tavolata on second Avenue, they had a prep kitchen downstairs that was separate from the regular kitchen. And I hadn't left Serafina to go to Branzino okay. to do bar managing there. And so I was really right next door. And my buddy was like, hey, if you want, you can have this uh, closet downstairs. <laughs> and you can have use of the prep kitchen, which is a legal certified space. Yeah, And, uh, you know, you do your thing there for free, man. I'll just give it to you. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. Awesome. So, you know, from there on out, I was making it in there uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. And uh, at one point, I really, uh, I, I didn't want to do it on my own. So, you know, Chris, who uh, at Serafino was, you know, I was trying to get him to be part of it for a while. And, you know, really asked him to, to come along and, and whatnot. But, you know, he had some personal stuff going on in his life that just really made it not possible for him to be part of it unfortunately and you know eventually we just never ended up doing it together so yeah you know and then eventually i just kept growing and honestly like for a good like probably two or maybe three years i was still learning a ton and as much as i would like to say the product's been like rock solid consistent forever uh it you know 
in the first couple three years probably it evolved quite a bit into mm-hmm. what it is today and after that it's been very solid uh, consistent but you know if i find something new out and i i'm you know for me it's all about like how can i make the best thing possible mm-hmm. then of course i want to do that right i want to make it sure. that way so it's like definitely in the beginning i was just i just never stopped learning you know even yeah. now like i've learned so much more but uh, I think the products are already super rock solid that doing any kind of change to them, I think would be more detrimental than it would be good. But I do come out with new stuff all the time and I've actually started a couple other businesses since. So oh, Okay, cool. Well, I want to talk about those a little later, but I want to ask, a, 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 I think a sort of a simple, but also maybe not simple question, which is like maybe how how are bitters made and what is it about the process that makes it i think from the outside at least seem way more difficult than the kinds of infusions that you were doing and, and lots of other people have done and, and still do because it seems to me that sort of a it, bitters are like a very very complicated infusion is that kind of correct yeah i would say so i think that's a great uh description of them you know uh they're kind of a tincture okay. um, but I would say they're a very complex tincture. Tinctures are generally like one to like just a few ingredients. Mm-hmm. And bitters are generally many ingredients. And of course, you know, bitters have to be bitter, right? So yeah. there needs to be a bittering agent. And if there's not a bittering agent, uh, they don't really perform the way they're supposed to. So like that bitterness is really what kind of grounds them in the cocktail okay. and actually really helps um uh, make them perform properly. So um, I'm trying to think of good examples. I I would say like bitters are the cocktails as vanilla extract is to baking, right? Okay. So the bitters generally will bring out other flavors in the drink. Mm. They really smooth off the edges of the alcohol and kind of cut some of the sweetness. So if you ever, I think everybody should really do it uh, because it's important, I think, to know what bitters are doing in your cocktail. Um, so I would say make an old fashioned without bitters. So you're just making sweet whiskey to start. Right. Uh And then try that, drink that, uh, you know, just a sip or so, and then add your bitters to it and then taste it after that and see how that has really just evolved that drink into Uh an actual cocktail at that point. And then maybe add some, you know, if you're adding aromatic bitters to make your old fashioned, then try adding some orange bitters on top of that and see what that does. Because there's really no like rule. You don't have to only just do one. Yeah. Uh, But I don't think enough people really kind of inspect like what's going on in there and i often see a lot of bartenders or just people in general putting bitters in their drink and and they don't really do anything i mean don't get me wrong there's a lot of great bitters out there and there's some that are just really they're not strong enough Mm -hmm. so they don't really work and they're kind of just it's almost like are you just doing a show or are you doing something (laughs) that's good for your drink Gotcha. It's, I'm sidetracking. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Back to what, what are they? How, why are they more complicated? So yeah, they're generally a bunch of different herbs macerated in alcohol. Uh, that's pretty important in my opinion. Um, alcohol is an excellent solvent, okay. uh, and it's also edible. And if your bitters are the right alcohol percentage. When you make a cocktail after the dilution, the bitters are higher in alcohol. So if you wanted to float them on top of the drink, you could do that. 
Oh, okay. Um, but they're generally like fruits, spices, and definitely a bittering agent. So, you know, there's so many different types of bittering agents. I exclusively use gentian, but okay. there's uh, quinine, uh, chichona bark, which is the same as quinine. There's horehound, there's wormwood, which is the bittering agent in uh, vermouth. Okay. Um, funny enough, if you have an Americano, uh, that's kind of like a vermouth without wormwood. It's with, uh, uh, gen- uh, sorry, um, quinine. And that okay. was because at, the, at a certain point, you know, uh, wormwood was not allowed yeah. in, in the U.S. Uh, and so I, I'm sorry, I'm always all over the board. No, that's okay. You have to reel me in. <laughs> I want to I ask another question though. So, so when you, you talk about sort of the maceration of, of herbs, spices, whatever it is that you are making, or is that all one big kind of batch that's macerating or are you doing these things separately and then blending them? Yeah, good question. Um, so in general, I would say the majority of your ingredients is probably all together, right? Okay. Um, the, th- the thing that's, I think, super counterintuitive with bitters is, like, the way that they taste on their own and then how they function in a drink could really mm-hmm. be two different things. Sure. Um, and it also is sometimes counterintuitive to how you make them. So, like, making normal infusions is a bit different because it's sort of straightforward. And bitters isn't. Uh, and, and that's just because they need to be way more powerful yeah so the intensity of your bitters it needs to be super duper strong because if you think about it you're just using a few dashes yeah and if it's pleasant on its own and totally like good that way it's probably not going to stand up in your drink and i think that's when i see a lot of newer stuff come out um, that's generally what they're missing sometimes their flavors are great but they really just don't have the intensity to make it through in the drink but yes, you, you macerate the majority of it together, I would say. But depending on what you're trying to do, you know, you could extract different flavors from different things. So uh, if you're macerating everything together, you're sort of more or less doing the same extraction with everything, right? Yeah. And sometimes you need something different from a different herb or a different fruit or what have you. And so you may do that separately and then blend that together. Okay. Um, something that we've always done is we kind of create some of the major flavors in a uh, sort of tincture f- form. And this isn't necessarily for the formula, but more of the variation of the organic material changes from season to season. So this is just for consistency for the sake. I see. But yeah, I mean, maybe you want your bitterness to be more bitter. So you might extract your bitterness differently. Or maybe you want your fruit to be different. So you're going to extract that differently. And you're going to bring all your herbs together. There's this sort of saturation point of your uh, liquid. and that kind of depends on how strong your alcohol is but if you extract things at too high alcohol they you can extract things that aren't desirable so there's this delicate balance that you're always sort of going on and are you just using sort of time to do the extraction or is temperature a, a part of it as well uh so yeah some of it is just time um and i do use a couple other methods um, you know, I'm a little bit tight-lipped about a lot. Oh, that's totally fine. Just because it's proprietary. Of course. You know, when I started, there was like almost no information whatsoever about making bitters. So I had to kind of create a lot of it on my own. 
So, okay, I want to come back to the chronology here a little bit. So you, so kind of, you know, into for people who aren't familiar, sort of the, the initial time period we were talking about was sort of the late 2000s in terms of getting from, you know, the sort of bartending to bitters making to, to you know, maybe making it at scale. Kind of what were the steps for you going outside of the sort of Seattle area? Because it makes sense to me, obviously, you know, it was a relatively small and, and, uh, you know, close community. So I totally get going, you know, essentially door to door to bars and being like, Hey, look, I made these, try them, buy them. But how did you go beyond Seattle? What what were the steps there for you in terms of connecting to whether it was to, to, you know, distribution or to, or to bars? Like how did you kind of get scrappies out to the masses? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think somewhat unbelievable, honestly, (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not usually generally one to toot my own horn, but I will, you know, say I do think I make the best bitters in the world. And sure. honestly, I think it was the merit of the quality of bitters that I was making of mm-hmm. why they had spread so quickly. And it was literally people just coming to me somehow hearing about it and asking me if they could buy some. And, you know, at the time, you know, starting out was just really slow. And I think it was around the same speed of the the way I grew the company. And I didn't have any, you know, uh, investment or anything like that. So it it all had to be organic. I couldn't grow faster than I did because I just didn't have the capital to. Sure. So, you know, just be like a a company in Boston. I think Boston Shaker was one of my first outside of the state's uh, customers. And, you know, I would obviously sell to stores direct then. And he'd be like, hey, uh, I heard about some bitters that you're making. Uh, Can I order some for my store and I'm like uh yeah of course definitely sure. and then it just kind of went like that for the first few years it's only been like maybe three or so years that we've been actively pursuing distribution outside of you know what what has come to us so okay we're uh, yeah I mean it's kind of an incredible feat uh, I mean we're in most of the major markets around the world and so like when you've traveled in the past and go to a bar like when you see a bottle of of bitter of your bitters, which I imagine you see pretty regularly, like, do you ever tell the bartender like that's mine, or do you just kind of enjoy like watching them use it and never knowing? Oh yeah, unless I'm working, I never say anything uh-huh. about myself. <laughs> so yeah, if I see it at a bar and and like you know I'm just a customer, I'm definitely not going to say a word. I'm just going to be stoked. Maybe I'll try to get them to make me a drink with it or something like that. Um, you know, a lot of times when I travel, I travel for work a lot. And so we're, you know, generally visiting a distributor. Um, I've kind of kind of stopped doing it inside the U.S. myself. And I have, you know, some staff that does that now. But I still like to go to, you know, outside the U.S. markets. And, you know, we're meeting with a distributor and it's like pretty nice. Like they take you around to all their favorite bars and stuff. And Usually those bars are also their accounts. So of course your stuff's there too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, you know, you meet the bartenders and then you make friends with them and you end up drinking way too much and, you know, you get to see all the cool bars. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yep. Uh, so I will definitely talk about it when I'm in that scenario, but yeah, just sure. by myself, no. <laughs> gotcha. And so let, let's talk a little bit about some of the specific products. Cause I think um, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about them is that you, I think have always kind of had this sense of, and I guess, you know, obviously it comes from being a bartender, you know, kind of what 
what how how bitters and and well-made bitters can obviously enhance a cocktail but also add flavors that might be sort of difficult to get in a drink in another fashion so I mean, you mentioned lavender, and that's that's certainly one of my favorites. I, I think the cardamom bitters, though, to me, has been in my life of of making cocktails, mostly just at home and sometimes professionally, is the one that I I use probably more than any other, just because I think it adds a dimension to a cocktail that's hard to find otherwise. Um, I mean, I guess you know cardamaro is out there, but that's a whole other deal. So, like, w- whether it's those two or something else, like, what are what are some of the bitters that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think that for me, you know, like trying to get the purest form uh, of those flavors in such a manner that uh, is easy to use, you know, um, is is kind of a big deal. Like I'm really pushing for a particular thing. And I think I have a definite stylistic thing that almost everything that I make has a somewhat of a little bit of a floral quality as okay. a finish. I don't know if it's super noticeable, but uh, it's sort of there. At least I notice it. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the cool flavors that are a little more exotic, like cardamom and lavender are generally how people discover the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they start to use like, the orange and the aromatic, which seem like, you know, regular, there's a million orange and aromatic uh, bitters out there. But when you start making your own fashions with them, I I feel like you never go back. And those actually are our top sellers now. But initially it was lavender and cardamom. Yeah. I'm really proud of black lemon. That's probably like the newest flavor of the lineup. Oh, cool. Uh, This is like a flavor I made a while back. And I just didn't think that it would be that cool or anybody would be that into it. Um, and I had like a whole bunch just sitting around at one point and I was like, ah, let's put it in a bottle and I'll like give it away to some of the bartenders I know that like, you know, different stuff and people went crazy for it. And then we added it to the lineup. Gotcha. Uh, another one like that is fire, uh, tincture. Uh, we changed the name a little bit cause, uh, some people were a little concerned. They weren't sure what the meaning meant. So we made it to fire tincture. Okay. But it's just a habanero extraction. It's got a, a mostly a habanero, but there's about seven or so other peppers in there to just kind of round that flavor out. But I used to make that for myself when I was bartending just as like a spicy additive. And mm-hmm. it was because uh, all the spicy cocktails that I had, they just had like hot sauce in them. And yeah. I didn't like the vinegar and the kind of muddiness that those hot sauces added. And I just wanted something that was like a clean hotness. Mm-hmm. And I, I really didn't think anybody would be interested in it. And I kind of did the same thing. I just like put out some and it, then it's like, it's maybe number three of our top selling products. Wow. And we sell like an enormous amount of it. And and speaking of that, so like, what is the approximate scope of what, like, however, whatever unit of measure makes sense? Like, how 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 big is Scrappies these days? Uh, that's a good question too. Um, I I don't know. I don't look at the numbers all the time, but I think sure. we put out around half a million bottles a year, wow. uh, and we, you know that number grows every year. Sure. Uh, but I think that was like last year. I think we did about half a million bottles. Very so cool. It's a it's. Uh, a fair amount. I, I'm not certain what uh, everyone else is making. I'm sure that Angostura is a fair amount bigger than us. But yeah. I don't think that there's another craft bitters that makes more bitters than we mm. do. And I've definitely never seen as much in the market of another yeah. brand than Scrappies. I do know that 
bitter truth is pretty big in Europe, but yep. you know, they're not, they're not really that uh, big here. Fair enough. And, and as far as, so you mentioned, um, you know, like the black lemon and, and the fire tincture is ones where you kind of, it interested you and you weren't sure if there was a market for it. Is there anything else that you're, that you're playing with that you can talk about that you think might make an appearance down the road? Yeah. So at the moment, I think we have a really solid lineup and I don't really want to get too wild with it. So there's like 13 flavors. Um, but we do do a Seville, which I think is super good. That's a sort of a seasonal one. I think that's still part of the 13. And then I did for our 10 year anniversary, uh, which is a couple of years ago now, where I'm like year 13. I did a bergamot bitters, which okay. I was really stoked on. That was just one of those flavors that I've always wanted to do, but it's just never been uh, in the cards because it's so expensive. And so I figured like, hey, for a 10 year anniversary, why don't I just make, you know, a certain amount of it? It's going to be a little bit more expensive, but it's just one of those things I wanted to do. And so cool. that went pretty well. And I think, that just to kind of show off like Scrappy's has still got cool stuff up its sleeve. Um, I've been working on a bunch of special releases. So ah. I've got at least the next four years slotted out of one special release per year. So it's going to be stuff that we just make one time. It's always going to be more expensive because it's stuff that would not never make sense to be in regular production. It's just gotcha. too labor intensive. The ingredients cost too much. Um, but you know, if you're like really into stuff or you want to collect things or you need the coolest thing ever, you know, <laughs> get it when you see it, otherwise you will may never get it again. Very cool. Well, Miles, this has been super fascinating. It's been very cool to, to see this, uh, to see your company grow from, as you said, kind of, you know, like, uh, bootlegging it almost in, uh, someone's prep kitchen to, uh, I'd imagine, uh, you've a little more space than that now. So, uh, yeah, we got congrats. a pretty big facility. Now. <laughs> uh, yeah, congrats, and uh, and I mean, I use the bitters all the time. Still, that's uh, that's that's just that's the reality. I I, uh, I agree that uh, that the quality is is uh, unsurpassed, and and I think you made one point that I want to emphasize for listeners, which is like I taste a lot of I've tasted and taste a lot of bitters, not as much as you, I'm sure, but still plenty, and it's that uh, kind of intensity that is, I think, where many other producers come up short. It's just like they can taste plenty good on their own you know you can you can taste them and go oh yeah you know I, I get the flavor here and it's it's good but when you put it in a drink it just tends to disappear um if you're not extremely you know if you don't use a ton of it and then you get to you know you have kind of other issues with the balance of your cocktail so yeah they, they remain the kind of uh yeah the, the bar of excellence uh pun i guess intended for uh for bitters yeah i think that's a excellent description zach we have a huge uh, shelf of bitters here obviously we like to try everything and uh, you know, as much as I say some bad things about other companies, I know that there are some great ones out there yeah. too. So don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a hater of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I, I realize I have one last question and this is uh, just for our, for, for kind of cocktail consumption purposes. Is there a cocktail that, well, let's, let's say I have two questions. One is as far as kind of showing off the bitters or, or understanding them in a drink, is there a cocktail and you mentioned the old fashioned. So maybe is that the one where you think, Hey, this is the best way to try out most of the bitters. And then additionally, do you have a cocktail that you add bitters to when you're drinking it that most people would not think to add bitters to? Yes. Those are great. Also. Uh, so we do a lot of seminars and I'm trying to kind of, uh, make this a little bit more accessible to the general public. We mm -hmm. do a lot for bartenders and obviously all the distributors, 
Um, but we're going to try to come out with a thing that's basically like a seminar in a box. So you can basically okay. order this kit and then either tune in to a live one or a pre-recorded one that basically talks you through like, what are bitters? How do you use them? You know, how do you determine if these are going to be good and how if they're going to work in your drink and all that. Yeah. But, but the two kind of easy drinks, I start with, you know, the most basic stuff because I feel like that's the easiest to grasp and then you can get more advanced later. But obviously old fashioned is kind of like what a, a bitter sling is and it's mm-hmm. sort of the definition of a cocktail. But then I think the other one that's really interesting and easy to do is just a gimlet. Okay. Uh, or a daiquiri, you know, if you want to try some of those really interesting flavors, like uh, a daiquiri with a dash of cardamom, a daiquiri mm-hmm. with a dash of lavender, or any of the other flavors, you can take that one cocktail in so many different directions with just Very a cool. dash of any of those flavors. Excellent. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really good uh, really good notion. I hadn't thought necessarily about yeah something as sort of transparent as a as a daiquiri. Yeah, totally. You know, a martini even works, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff that is just kind of straightforward is, I think, gives you the best demonstration uh, initially. And, I mean, you don't have to just do that with scrappies. I would recommend doing that with any bitters that you have, you know. You can mm-hmm. kind of get a better grasp of what's going on there. And then using it in a more complex manner becomes more intuitive. Gotcha. Well, Miles, thanks again so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to chatting in the future. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Great to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also... I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair's tasting director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.